it's time to share your story. Welcome to Revealing Conversations with Patron Nicole. Heart-led discussions that reveal, release, and unveil. You will leave this hour lighter, brighter, and inspired. And now, here's Patron Nicole. Welcome again to Revealing Conversations. I am Petra, your host today. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend and you're feeling great. It's been uh, quite wet here in Portland, Oregon, but thank God it's raining because we need the rain. I'm one of those people who likes the rain, and come on, we live in Oregon, and it wouldn't be green and vibrant like it is if it didn't rain a lot. So cheer up and walk in the rain, go out in the forest, and smell the wonderful ferns. Today is my second show, and I am super excited to have the great pleasure to interview a wonderful lady. She is an author, and her name is Dr. Jean Farish, CRC, Certified Rehabilitation Counselor. She is the former administrator and professor in higher education, and she's an award-winning transformational author as well. Dr. Farish serves as counselor, educator, and life care coach. She is the founder and CEO of Life Care Wellness for Angels, Inc. It is a children's hospital with with children that have cancer and provides personal empowerment and community enrichment classes. Her passion is serving and making a difference in the lives of others. So it gives me great, great pleasure to introduce Jean to the radio show today. So Jean, are you on the other line? Oh, yes, Petra. I'm so glad to be here, and thanks for having me today. Thank you. I'm detecting an accent. (laughs) Yes, I am from the South. (laughs) Where in the South? I'm from uh, Jackson, Mississippi. I love it. There's a lot going on in Mississippi right now, I hear. Oh, <laughs> <So>. yes, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome on the show. I, I, I love that you're here today with us and the listeners, and you have a lot of incredible information to share with us. So um, I couldn't help but uh, be so intrigued about your personal story. So would you share with us a little bit how you came to uh, Authentic Messengers and how you came into the work that you do, um, rehabilitation counselor and working with children that have cancer, etc.? Well, Petra, thanks for asking that question. Uh, of course, I've served as a university professor and department chair for a period of almost 28 years and I was a counselor educator. I did uh, have an opportunity to do a lot of academic writing as was required, Uh, but I did have uh, a shift to really move toward more transformational writing and more uh, to experience my passion for sharing and teaching and seeing other people inspired by their own learning and through engaging with them who were seeking, you know, transformation on a higher level. I uh, had an experience 
serving, uh, I had a professional practice for about nine years, working with persons coming out of prison, so that was very challenging and enlightening. Uh, so I've worn many hats, but now I'm really inspired to serve on a higher and deeper level through my writing and offering personal development community enrichment uh, classes. I, uh, wow. I embarked on a transformational journey that was also uh, uh, that also ignited my passion uh, in the Orient. So that really expanded, you know, my life and the skills that I had and really ignited my passion as well. So now I have a lot of questions. Yes. <laughs> Way more <laughs> questions than I thought I was going to ask you. <laughs> so do you want to uh, share with us a little bit about uh, your experience working in the prison system? Yes, well, I served as a uh, mental health counselor and uh, transitional counselor helping uh, clients transition from the prison or for those who are on pr probation, helping them to get reoriented in the, co uh, in the community. And this was a, quite a challenging experience because I had to work with a wide variety of people, and, of course, uh, it really stretched my skills and talents. And uh, I was pretty much on call 24-7 because a lot of these people were, you know, on drugs and, you know, had a lot of challenging experiences. But I must say that I learned a lot from my clients as they learned from me. It's a mutually beneficial relationship, and it really inspired me because we're not above or beyond life's challenges, and I grew quite a bit serving uh, this population. You know, I always say that um, if you if you can't find work or you're feeling, you know, like you've reached a dead end in your life, I've been hearing that we have some a real unemployment issue at the moment, and there's been some information on the news about uh, people giving up to look for work, especially males in our country. Yeah. And I thought, you know, the best thing you can do is start serving and just uh, – uh, do some selfless service and your life will change and you will find a job that way, you know, by just opening your heart up to people. So you did this for nine years of your life? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, in conjunction, you know, just my private practice uh, working with uh, the community and uh, through the Bureau of Prisons and probation, the probation office. So, again, it was very challenging. It's funny, though, because uh, I think when I uh, – first began as a rehab counselor, that was the population that I said I never wanted to work with. <laughs> so so you have to really be careful what you ask for because, you know, mm -hmm. time later, you know, the opportunity came and uh, I just kind of fell into it. And, uh, you know, I really had passion working with my clients and, you know, I really valued seeing them grow and, you know, I had great relationships with them. And, of course, some chose uh, to progress, and some chose not to, but that's just the way it is. And, you know, in my field as a rehab counselor, we have to accept that. But it, it really stretched me in, in ways that I could never have imagined. Going beyond the theory and skills that I learned, uh, it really connected me to myself and really uh, helped me grow and learn in different ways other than just from the academic theories that I learned through my doctoral program and through my educational background. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can I can imagine. Yeah, can really imagine. engaging and connecting with people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
well, in a lot of people, you know, the circumstances are not always what we think. Somebody could be in prison uh, and they're innocent. That happens. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. so exactly. people coming out of that after being in prison for a long time, how do they transition back into the world? And mm-hmm. it's and things change so fast in the world that we live in that, that a lot true. of these people come out. They're like a fish out of water completely, right? Yes, it's like a almost like a time trap trap because for some they have mm. been in prison twenty years, ten years. I mean, different variations of time, and the adjustment, you know, was really phenomenal for uh, quite a a lot of them. So you're kind of holding their hand, walking them through the different aspects of job, and you know, uh, trying to find housing, and you know, coordinating things for them and counseling so it was really kind of a holistic experience and working with them in you know very all aspects of their lives Hmm. so how soon after your experience with all that did you go to the orient i'm very curious of course about your experience uh there and, and what motivated you to go there well actually that came uh Sometime later, uh, I had an opportunity to visit there twice on uh, for professional experiences. I conducted a workshop for Malaysian counselors. I visited drug, counsel, drug uh, government agencies and private uh, agencies for uh, drug abuse. And I, uh, earlier in my career, I worked with blind and visually impaired, so I had an opportunity to uh, consult with the uh, St. Nicholas School for the Blind. So during my initial visits there, I had two visits there, and I uh, was a, a member of the Counseling Association uh, for Asia Pacific, so we had international conferences. And that's how I kind of got connected. But I, yeah, I must say I had a great relationship, and I really enjoyed it. And then they, Professor Dato Seixin May, who was the Vice Chancellor of University of Science Malaysia in Penang, uh, offered me an opportunity to come for six months. And mm. it uh, it really was a divine gift because I was really going through some personal challenges uh, in my life. And, you know, I was disillusioned with our definitions of success and happiness. And I had done so much in my professional career, but I just felt like something was missing. Have you ever felt that feeling? It's like something is oh, missing. Yes. I didn't feel quite fulfilled. And... This trip was like a, a a blessing, and it came at a great time. Uh, I worked in the vision, Division of Industry and Community Network uh, where they really served the community, uh, uh, working with the universities, community, and industries to transform communities. We traveled to indigenous communities and remote villages. Uh, uh, I had an opportunity to really get into volunteerism. I volunteered a lot at uh, Resource Education Association for Children with Autism. It's called REACH. And uh, all these varied experiences really expanded my skills and talents, and we were in the process of pulling together uh, a, a book, and I uh, assisted with uh, writing responsibilities. So that really uh, really transformed me in a different way I came to know myself in a different way by using my skills and seeing all of this, the spirit of community and volunteerism. And uh, I love how you say that, I came to know myself. Yes, I did. I really did. And 
I must say that uh, bonding with the people and emerging in the culture, having amazing encounters with uh, spiritual masters and priests and marveling at the mysteries and wonders of this beautiful tropical environment was just astounding. And I learned to live very simplistically. I walked a lot. I ate healthy. Uh, and I, it, it was very peaceful for me. Can you imagine being taken out of a kind of a chaos and put someplace where you experience peace and experience yourself in a different way? Oh, and, yes. Yeah. And where, where exactly were you? Uh, I, I, I was stationed in Penang uh, at University of Science Malaysia. Malaysia. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, University of Science Malaysia in Penang. And um, actually it... Uh, is a world-class uh, uh, division of industry and community network where they really, uh, uh, their their motto is that it's almost like uh, a university that does not contribute to the betterment of the community is, is really not functional or relevant. So they really uh, had that division that really helped communities, transform communities with clean water projects and all kinds of uh, dental projects for children, and I mean they're they're just ongoing types of food projects uh, in remote villages. So you can imagine it was just so uh, enlightening and a whole different experience for me. And I walked hand in hand with the faculty and staff traveling throughout the Southeast Asia area, experiencing this. And mm-hmm. uh, it, and I had an epiphany while I was there in terms of the reason that I was really there on my journey, which was quite enlightening. and uh, uh, it Do you really want to share with us your epiphany? Yes, yes. I, I, I really <laughs> I'd love to hear it. Um, uh, <laughs> during the last days of my journey, uh, I was participating uh, with the Chinese students uh, in a volunteer engagement activity at Silver Jubilee Home for the Aged in Penang. They were celebrating the Winter Solstice Festival in preparation for the Chinese New Year. And we were just having fun with the... Uh, 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 the the residents at the at the facility and you know they were singing and karaokeing and dancing and uh, we all of a sudden and I knew this I was on this last phase of my journey I just kind of sat quietly with tears that came welled up in my eyes and I asked my question this question to myself why am I here what was the real purpose of my journey and in a quiet moment, it's like a little voice whispered, it was all about love. Hmm. With flashbacks of scenes of all the loving experiences that I had uh, uh, while I was there. And uh, I, hence the book, The Long Journey Home, was born out of that uh, experience. <laughs> hmm. The mm-hmm. long journey home to the heart and to the to the love. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. And I... Basically, the, uh, in my book, I talked about the spectrum of love from Henry Drummond, which really laid the foundation for my own transformation that was quite characteristic of the culture with patience, kindness, generosity, humility, courtesy, unselfishness, good temper, guilelessness, sincerity. Those were qualities that I experienced in the culture and learned myself to experience. So it really opened my heart. And you can see why I came to know myself in a very different way. It was very loving. So do you want to go back? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm still uh, 
serving as uh, editor of the International E-Journal for the Division of Industry and Community Network, so I still have that relationship, and we still stay connected. So it was like coming home, and mm-hmm. coming home there and coming home to myself. I think that was the most important thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell us a little bit about your book, uh, Jean, if you would, please. Okay. Are you the chapter in uh, Life Spark or what? Which yeah, either. What uh, I know that you wrote a. Uh, we are we're co-authors in 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 Life Sparks. Both of us have yes. a story in Life Sparks, which is a book that was just released um, recently. Yes. And your chapter is called "Coloring Life with a Spirit of Gratitude." Yes. And I just love the title. And, uh, you know, when you're coloring life with a spirit of gratitude, I know that you cannot have fear or a feeling of, of, of sadness when there's gratitude in your heart. Exactly. In the moment that we feel gratitude, all of those things dissipate. So uh, would, you, would you share with us uh, some insights about that? Oh, yes. Uh, well, I'm so pleased you asked that question. I'm pleased to share. Well, my chapter really, uh, we, we can understand that loss is really a universal experience that we all share, and it's a very private experience. You know, every minute of the hour, every minute of the day, there's a loss, a death, divorce, fatal diagnosis, an accident, loss of a cherished material possession, a job, a dream, dreams and hopes for ourselves and others. And as a result of these losses, we become fractured, and we lose our sense of self. Who am I without this limb, this breast, this person, my job, my home, my dream? So it really is a redefinition of who we really are because we can spend so much time valuing things that are external to ourselves. And these challenges uh, may seem insurmountable to overcome, and, you know, a lot of people are in quiet desperation and grief and suffering, overwhelming physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual distress. Mm -hmm. So therefore, my chapter really highlights uh, my own personal challenges dealing with uh, compounded losses that triggered uh, my own feelings of victimization, unresolved grief, and if you would say even spiritual depression where you can sometimes feel like you're losing hope. So in my uh, chapter, I take the reader on my own healing and liberating journey out of this darkness with pivotal moments that really uh, were valuable lessons that sparked my recovery. Mm-hmm. And you know, Petra, so, so, we are... So what, had, so what had happened to you? Uh, a lot, I'm assuming a lot of people had uh, died or, or people close to you. Is, is that what happened? Yes. I uh, Well, I just had... I guess it's it's life if you really want to just go through it. I had uh, the death of significant people who were close to me, and you can go back as far as uh, my first boyfriend who was killed in an accident, my doctoral mentor who was killed in an airplane crash, the death of my grandmother. I had a business partner who was also killed in a a, a car accident, and just losses uh, through relationships and even I lost the condo, uh, which was a sacred place for me that I created for myself as a result of Hurricane Katrina. That was like my respite. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And can you imagine losing your sacred space? So, oh, my goodness. So yeah. what happened, it was amazing. I had a very bizarre experience losing my car. And as a result of this loss, uh, for some reason, this loss just kind of triggered uh, a spectrum of losses from days gone by. And I became haunted with all these painful memories of these losses. And it was like the excavation of a cornerstone where brick by brick everything came tumbling down. I think the raw emotions that I were dealing with were rapidly exposed with undercurrent beliefs of uh, I'm not worthy or I'm not deserving. Surely you're not if you're losing all of these things, right? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so I, and, and, and it was a moment of counselor, you have to heal yourself. But how do you heal yourself when you're so distraught? And Mm -hmm. I think uh, what was happening, I was just kind of getting through uh, life, not giving myself the attention, the compassionate attention that I deserved. And these emotions were like screaming children, begging for attention to be dealt with. And Mm -hmm. so it was an opportunity to wake up and really uh, rebuild after all these losses and really truly connect with the essence mm-hmm. of my true self, because these were things that, even though they were profound, they were external to me, but they were very an essential part of my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of the beginning of it, and I can go in further detail about the lessons learned and pivotal moments, but if you have any questions about that part, that that spurred my uh, uh, journey. Into the well, darkness and and, <laughs> and toward recovery, it, and and it can become very hopeless. You know, I I too had um, much death in my life, including mm-hmm. a, a near death experience, but that actually saved me, because uh, you know, in the end, I believed uh, very uh, clearly that there is really no death; it's just a continuum. I don't really believe that we're leaving, so we're just changing our form into mm-hmm. something greater, something else. And it's easy to feel um, victimized or to feel hopeless in, in, within the grief of all of that. So I, I, I can completely feel what you must have gone through at that time and uh, must have been very, very difficult to yes, experience it those yes, emotions. It was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can lose your sense of self because of all these things that you were attached to. You know, who am I now? And you become fractured, as I indicated, and you have to redefine who am I now without this. And even though these, a lot of these were days gone by, if, if it's not properly dealt with, it still comes to haunt you. And mm-hmm. I was so busy with working and helping and doing these other things, I guess I may have put myself on the back burner. Well, and that's what we typically do when we have a lot of pain. We busy ourselves so we don't have to think about it and feel it. Mm-hmm. That is so that's true, what Pedro. We do. Yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to live in the um, emotion or the grief. It's 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 uh, not a good feeling. So we run. We either we run or, or some people take drugs. You know, people take drugs or they drink or they do something to escape this reality because the reality is too painful. Or we throw ourselves into into our work like you did. (laughs) Yes, you can throw yourself into your work, and I had plenty of it, (laughs) truly. But, you know, (laughs) people people are, you know, really suffering, and 
you know, there's fear, there's self-judgment, judgment of others, and, you know, the mm-hmm. feelings of being not good enough, not worthy, and, you know, you can't measure up. So we, a lot of people are quietly suffering, and mm-hmm. um, they really don't know where to go for help during these mm-hmm. lost experiences. Yeah, the the feeling of unworthiness is something I encounter in my practice all the time with people. It's it's really quite um, amazing that as a as the human race moves mm-hmm. into the into the next you know uh, evolutionary stage that we're going through right now. I mean, I think we're in the, on the cusp of something really big, and we are having to really look at ourselves that we are all light beings and worthy of love and grace and yeah. it's it's really difficult for people to see the beauty in themselves and i wish there was a magic button that i could could push to you know reveal that to everyone how special they are so but, but Petra, i think <laughs> it is an opportunity to really wake up because what it did it really awakened me <laughs> You know, to really uh, just become more compassionate with myself. And, of course, I really learned some valuable lessons through these pivotal moments. But it was an opportunity. You know, there's there's a gift in, in suffering. So, uh, I, And there is a great gift. That's true. There is a great gift mm-hmm. in suffering. I mean, we mm-hmm. learn by default. And that means, mm-hmm. you know, if we're not doing the inner spiritual work, we usually have lessons, whether they look like losing a job or having an accident or getting sick. But mm-hmm. I always say, if you if you're not clearing your emotional body, you know you're going to make yourself sick. Mm-hmm. So I I would love to find out what your tools were that okay. you had uh, to give compassion to yourself. Okay, that's what a tools question. did you use? Yeah. Well, I must say, let me just share with you uh, uh, the pivotal moments there. I uh, became quite restless, and, you know, I remember one night I was in great despair, and I called out to God and for help and support or whatever, you know. And typically I, was, I had difficulty sleeping, but this night I drifted off into a very deep sleep, and miraculously the hand of God was extended. Ended and grace was revealed in a very illuminating dream. Uh, I was in the hospital room of my grandmother, uh, and I went to check on her, and she, I found her in a tub of water. She was dead. And I screamed at the top of my voice. I was crying profusely. And I recall I, I, I laid on the bed. I kind of threw myself on the bed. But my clothes were soaking wet. They were like a blanket. And suddenly in this dream I felt a presence, uh, like lift these wet clothes off my body. And I, I kind of heard or discerned, lift the cloak of heaviness. Uh, mm. And come to me all who are burdened and I will give you rest. And this is a scripture from Matthew 11, eight, uh, verse 8 in the Bible. And after uh, having this, really enlightening dream, uh, I went through an analysis of it, and I realized that the hospital represented my own need for healing. And the corpse represented rebirth and transformation. And you see, I was actually my grandmother who was dead in that tub of water from grief and emotional exhaustion. Mm. 
And the crying was like emotional release of repressed emotions for cleansing and purification. And I was given these clear instructions in my dream, which was exchange the cloak of heaviness for the garment of praise. And praise is gratitude, and that is the way out of the downward spiral and to be open to this uh, divine guidance. So I began journaling. Well, I always journal, but I really got more profusely in uh, uh, gratitude journaling, and I kept the gratitude bowl on my writing desk, and moment by moment I would be thankful for all that I was grateful for, even the simple, small things. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so this dream became uh, really was an answer, answered prayer, and I realized that with a grateful heart, that is the way out. And it was the beginning of healing and recovery. And um, it was a profound message embedded in that dream. And throughout this dream, the, the, the message uh, that I learned was that gratitude is the capstone of recovery. And, but you have to sustain a regular practice uh, using methods of journaling or uh, such that I did with my gratitude bowl, and it was very healing for me uh, to engage in that practice, and it lifted me out of myself to be grateful because you can't be grateful and 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 also down at the same time. So I began to be grateful for all the things that I was thankful for, and I began to see more color and liveliness, you know, become restored in my life. I also learned the lesson of surrender. Uh, you know, there is power in surrender and letting go of struggle. Mm-hmm. And as we surrender, we become open to our divine guidance for direction and following the next steps and to be open to the synchronicities with helpful people that show up. I also you know, learned do you, humility. Do you, <laughs> go ahead. Do you, do you know mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Joe Vitale? He was a part of the movie The Secret. Yes, yes. You've seen it. Do you remember his story where he talked about it reminded me of him when you were just uh, speaking about this amazing, amazing dream that you had that, that really must have just changed your life. And he talked about how he slept in a car and he was homeless before he became famous and <laughs> became a, a world-renowned author. And he mm-hmm. was, you know, he talked about gr- gratitude, how he would take this one pen that he had and just being grateful for that one pen that he had. He said, you can always find something small to be grateful for, even if it's the flower on the side of the road. Or, you know, if you don't have shoes on your feet, you can be grateful the fact that you're walking. But change the thought into gratitude rather than a lack. And in that moment, everything will change in your life. And it's so true that I, I've experienced that many times as well. So sorry, I had to interrupt you there for a no, moment. No, but that's great you. because that, that's <laughs> a profound uh, revelation because gratitude, there are always things to be thankful for, the air you breathe, the fact that you're alive, the fact that you have a bed to sleep in, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the fact that you can experience the beauty of nature, of a, of a flower, or feel the sunshine on your face or whatever. I mean, there are a million things that you can think about. Uh, where you can be grateful for. So it really is, uh, again, the capstone for uh, renewal and the beginning of, uh, of recovering from loss to really find things that you're thankful for. And I have days where I'm not being grateful. 
I noticed that in myself. I don't know if you go through days where you're feeling, oh, this should change and this should change, and I'm maybe, uh, you know, picking myself apart or whatever. And then suddenly I remember my time in India when we didn't have water or when there was hardly any food to eat. And, you know, it's yeah. like, oh, my yeah. God, I have running water and I can yeah. take a hot shower. I'm grateful for that. Yes, yes, you are certainly correct with that. You are certainly correct. But I think that's the human part of us. We're not always on this even plane. Life is life, and things can change, you know, every minute. And we're human beings experiencing life, and I think that is the purpose of having a spiritual practice to keep, you know, uh, renewing ourselves. As Marion William quotes, the goal of spiritual practice is full recovery. And the only thing you need to recover from is a fractured sense of self. So, you know, during the course of a day, you may become fractured with different experiences or different things that happen, and uh, you have to bring yourself back. We're humans. We, we're not just uh, at a, per, a level of arriving, we, like we have arrived or we know it all. You know, we're on this plane, but we still have to engage to keep ourselves sustained in these practices. You know, one of my uh, teachers that I met maybe 20 years ago, she said to me, she said, uh, you have to love your humanity or your humanness as much as your divinity. Yeah. And so I think there are some of us that just want to be so spiritually aware and so spiritually in this perfection that we forget that we need to laugh at ourselves for just being human sometimes. And 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 in that, you know, it becomes a much easier path for all of us that are driven. And it sounds to me that like you were really driven by your work, and and you know, you have contributed so much to the people. And so I would I would love uh, to hear about how you found out about authentic messengers, and then I'll share you with you my story of how, how I found out about it. Well, actually, I um, uh, had I won the uh, Transformational Author uh, Contest, uh, the fourth annual uh, Transformational Author Experience uh, Writing Contest, and uh, I was kind of in the network for transformational writing, and amazingly... <laughs> I got the email about uh, uh, the, the authentic messenger, and, I, and it said, do you have a story that you'd like to share? And I was like, gosh, after what I've been through, I could write a book on this. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, I did start writing uh, uh, a book while I was going through my, uh, my experience with my loss because the writing helped me, you know, stay connected to myself and, uh, it helped me me with spiritual practice and also the journaling aspect of it. So I began writing a lot during this experience. So when I got the email, I was like, "Gosh, this is amazing!" So I immediately responded to it. Mm. And, and authentic messengers. Do you want to share with the listeners a little bit of who is authentic messenger? Well, actually. That's a great question, and I'm de- I'm delighted to share why I became an authentic messenger. And as I stated earlier, uh, no one is really exempt from life life and life challenges. And to be a part of of a community of passionate, authentic messengers, daring greatly to share their stories unapologetically, inspiring people, and revealing the strength of the human spirit is 
empowering and also gifts from the soul. And I see uh, the role of a uh, authentic messenger is it's really a reciprocal, mutually beneficial process for the messenger and the reader. There is emotional freedom and healing and sharing. And being authentic, Petra, connects you to the essence of your true self. You know, exactly. Joseph Campbell says the privilege of a lifetime is being who you are, and Eckhart Tolle says only the truth will set you free. And so this is mm-hmm. quite apparent for authentic messengers. And, of course, for the reader, that they will uh, see themselves in our stories and their hearts will be uplifted, their spirits uplifted, hearts open, and it will have a ripple effect where they, too, will share our work with others uh, to help transform their lives in some meaningful way. So it is a very uh, honorable experience to be in this role as an authentic messenger and uh, I know I am a work in progress, <laughs> and as I teach, I learn. And to share my journey uh, really uh, is an, an honor, and I hope that it will, my story will connect to the readers and inspire them in some way. Mm. Well, I'm sure it will. I, uh, when, uh, so here, here's what my thought is. I didn't really put the pieces together about the book by Tammy Blodgett and Denise Baines, Life Sparks, and their company is Authentic Messenger. Until this moment when you were speaking about the fact that we, as the authors in the book, there are 20 authors in this book, they are all authentic messengers. And in fact, we all become authentic messengers. So that is just beautiful. I never thought about it that way. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's an honor to be in the book with such wonderful people, talented, you know, inspirational people. As I read the stories, they really touched my heart, and I learned a lot from the stories. (laughs) And I saw myself in some of their stories. So, you know, I'm a human being experiencing life like everyone else, and, you know, my story is my story, but your story inspired me. So (laughs) it is a mutual process uh, for all of us as we read and share and grow. Well, I'm very, very uh, pleased that I get to interview all the authors of Life Sparks and therefore get to know each and every one intimately and read their stories over and over and over and really learn about the people that are in that book. So that's my blessing in this mm-hmm. process, doing mm-hmm. the show and, and having a chance to interview you today here. So, Jean, I have a question. Yes. With the Orient, being in Malaysia and doing all this work that you have done in your life, what is your passion now? Like if you could talk about and pinpoint what you're really passionate about. As I get older, I feel that it is so important to stay in the place of passionate experiences that we you know whether that's writing or whether that's dancing or whether whatever that is you know throwing parties for your friends or traveling (laughs) through the world and going back to malaysia but i'm always really curious what people what people's passions are so do you do you want to share with us oh yes petra i'd love to share my passion And, of course, uh, my role now, or what I'm more passionate about, is having meaning and fulfillment in my life. 
my passion mm-hmm. is really to to serve. You know, I've been in the academic world and I've done all of these career uh, uh, activities, but now I'm inspired to serve on a deeper and higher level to uplift people and uh, through my writing, through offering personal development, uh, uh, community enrichment classes. I love engaging with people. And, of course, being a professor, I always work with students and teaching them and dealing with their own issues as a, as a professor and a department chair. But I really love engaging with people, yearning to learn more on a spiritual level to manage their lives. And as I indicated previously, as I teach, I learn and I grow. And uh, it gives me more meaning and purpose in my life. Uh, I, After my trip to the Orient, I really had a shift. And uh, to be quite honest with you, it was kind of hard connecting back to the <laughs> The same uh, environment, I I lasted probably a year after that, but somehow I was inspired to really, you know, serve on a more passionate level, even though my service, I don't discount my service on the university level, but I I just felt like I wanted to make a contribution in a different way. And my passion was really ignited during my stay in Malaysia, seeing all of this volunteerism, and I worked with the faculty and staff, I uh, work with them in presentations on volunteerism and community engagement and traveling throughout all these, the lands and seeing the volunteer engagement activities. And it just inspired me to, it opened my heart in a different way from experiencing the Malaysian culture spirit of volunteerism, not saying that we don't have it in our country, but uh, this trip gave me a chance to experience that more fully. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I was inspired to just create the Life Care Wellness uh, and Pet for Angels uh, 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 Foundation for Children Hospitalized with Cancer. And I, as I indicated, I spent a lot of time with the children who had autism at Reach Center. So uh, I had so much fun, you know, working with them. And, you know, uh, I was the judge of their lanterns during the, uh, I think it was a, a harvest festival or whatever, and it was something about connecting with the children, too, at the autistic center that opened my heart because I had been used to really dealing with adults in graduate school, you know, <laughs> and dealing yeah. with, uh, you know, and so to be with children and the autistic children, and they were so uh, just fantastic, and they were learning and growing, and just to experience this community was awesome. Mm. And it ignited and that's what my you're passion. Doing now. And that is what you're doing now? Uh, in terms of what? The in your work right now? You're well, working yes, with yes. The children uh, well, now? In my work now, of course, with the Life Care Wellness and PEP uh, for Angels, the Life Care Wellness is more so offering uh, life coaching classes. I do small group uh, sessions with uh, people and uh, for personal development and personal empowerment. Actually, anything that they request me to do, I can pretty much work with them on many levels. And I offer community uh, enrichment courses, transformational writing, how to find your voice, and I offer a class on jumpstarting your career with volunteerism. So these were triggers from my experience in Malaysia as well. And then the Pep for Angels project, uh, that's for children hospitalized with cancer, uh, to really develop more networking with the kids, uh, uh, the outside community with the kids in the hospital. I designed a 
numerous uh, Pep for Angels products so that we can market and sell with the proceeds going back to the community. And we hope to maybe do a book, uh, Pep for Angels, for, you know, maybe caregivers and children who are hospitalized with cancer and family members. So we're looking forward to a Pep for Angels book. Mm, well, how exciting, how exciting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jean, what what is your website? If the, if the listeners uh, want to find you, can you uh, share your website? And then I also know that you um, have a few things to give away to people that you wrote to me about. Um, do you want to do you want to share that with yes. us? Yes. Well, my uh, Shirley, and thanks for asking that. There, I have created resources to help others, and my website is www.jeanfarrisjourney.com. Uh, I am pleased to share on my website my loss and recovery model that was born out of my own process of healing for restoration, renewal, and recovery that hopefully will help readers step into their own victory with confidence and be a resilient thriver and survivor through the loss experience. So I take them through the whole process of loss, uh, what they can expect to experience, strategies to manage uh, during the loss experience, and uh, hopefully uh, insights to help them move through the loss experience. So this model is on my website as well. And, uh, of course, I have uh, published books, uh, The Long Journey Home. A lot of people call my book The Long Journey Home, my book of love. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. my book, Journey to Wholeness, Reflections for Transforming Your Life, uh, they call that my healing book, which is more of a a self-help guide to help readers on their own transformational journey. I designed a life care plan at the as a supplementary aspect of the book where the reader can actually take the plan and do a life care assessment and uh, gain insight into their own uh, transformational experience. So those are two powerful resources. And, of course, uh, we do have our own book with Life Sparks (laughs) as well. Yeah, and and I wish you were here in Oregon, Jean, because we have a book signing on the Ninth uh, of uh, September, which is this coming Friday in Eugene, and one in Portland on the 23rd of September. But well, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later. I have I have a, I have a question. Yes. Uh, when you when you were uh, speaking about uh, your experience in Malaysia and how when you came back you had a, a bit of a hard time integrating uh, into the world here. What do you think? Because I had the same experience with India. I was in India mm-hmm. for quite a while, and, mm-hmm. and I studied with an East Indian teacher for 11 years and spent a lot of uh, time in meditation. It was very difficult for me to integrate back into the Western way of life. Mm, and I had a theory. <laughs> yeah, it was very difficult. I thought, you know, I was dreaming about how I can uh, find my escape route to go back to India. <laughs> <laughs> I do On understand that. I do understand. <laughs> There's not a day that goes by that I don't think about Malaysia, and my heart is lifted. No. Oh. So I would like to uh, find out, because we have a few more minutes. Okay, sure. I'd love to I would share love that. For you to see if you have an, a theory on this, because I've, I've thought so much about that. What is it? What is so different okay. there, and why well, is I, the energy so different? Yeah, well, Petra, I, I think... Uh, 
course, uh, in my regimented work as department chair and professor, you know, of course I love the work. I love working with the students and serving as an administrator, and you get kind of into that whole realm where you're really doing a lot. <laughs> I think in Malaysia I became, I was being, and mm. I, I was in a very beautiful tropical environment. I, I, never, I didn't drive anymore. I lived simplistically. I walked a lot. I felt better than I ever felt in my life. I, I was entrenched with communal, the communal spirit of people always around me who were very helpful and joyful and laughing. And, you know, my skills and talents were very well appreciated. We worked as a real team. I think a lot of times we get so used to competition uh, mm-hmm. in the workplace, and I think when I was there, it was really more teamwork. I experienced more, and, and this is not a, you know, an insight on uh, uh, my work experience, but I, I just felt more of a team spirit, the communal spirit. And so, therefore, being in this peaceful tropical environment, I think the nature was so beautiful and living simplistically, uh, being a team and traveling and laughing and being a part of this whole community, being with the children. I mean, every day was an experience. Malaysia is a very colorful place, multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-religious, and I had a chance to visit temples and, you know, I mean, all kinds of religious communities that were just eye-opening. And the art and cultural festivities that were, you know, kind of ongoing because you had the Malay culture, I mean, the the Indian culture, Chinese culture, uh, and, and the Malay uh, culture, so it was a, a mixture of all kinds of activities, and it was so colorful. So here I stepped back into my reality after having peace, and again, remember that I had a challenge. I had personal challenges, and I was a little bit disillusioned uh, before I left. So the journey was a gift. It was a welcome journey. So you can imagine here I am going through certain challenges, very disillusioned, what is happiness, what is success, and then the hand of God just gave me this divine gift and put me in a place of peace and color and just joy and expanded my skills and talents, and then here I have to come back, you know, mm-hmm. to, to adjust, and so it was it was quite hard for me. Mm-hmm. And many people, I should, uh, I when should... I first returned, a lot of people uh, in my academic environment would come to me and they said, wow, you look so peaceful. You, you're, you're so at peace, and I did all that I could to hang on to that because it was such a profound experience for me. Mm-hmm. I think we should start by painting all the houses in really bright colors. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they were just a colorful culture. And here, you know, we do get into the business, you know, our business aspect of uh, dress and things like that. And, of course, when I was there, I, had, I dressed in their attire which was freeing for me. It was very freeing and fluid for me to be in color and lightweight clothing because it was a tropical environment. It was very hot. So my dress changed as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And nobody cares what you're dressed in anyway. <laughs> so well, you when, know, when I think in Malaysia, I mean, people just, mm-hmm. people just don't care. I mean, it's so hot that mm-hmm. you wear uh, whatever the uh, the national clothing is, you know. And exactly. in India we ran around in Punjabi suits and all the exactly. Westerners had 
Punjabi, very light cotton and and uh, Birkenstock, so uh, flip flops. <laughs> so. yeah, of course, and and of course, with the different cultures that I experienced, mm. I had the Punjabis, I had the <laughs> Bajikarang outfits. I mean, it's like I I could swing and fit in different uh, cultural events and festivities because I my clothing was all cultural attire, and it was very mm. fluid, lightweight, and colorful, and I. I really enjoyed that, and I continued to really uh, wear those kinds of clothing because it made me feel lighter and more fluid. Mm-hmm. 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 But, you know, when you when you speak about, and we have just uh, maybe uh, two mm-hmm. or three more minutes, sure. uh, when you speak about the energy of the heart there, I, I noticed this um, coming back to the United States from India and, and first to, to Germany, that uh, it was as if going to India, there was a veil that was lifted. And even though there's chaos and it's dirty, you know, and the yeah. usual things they talk about with India, uh, it also had this element of such love and such openness. And I can't tell you how many times a day I'd be receiving hugs or sitting around the fire with the women making chapatis, which is their their bread that they make, these little flatbreads and um, cooking or singing, and the sounds yes. alone, the colors, yes. the sounds that are going on. Yes. in the, You you hear uh, the prayer and the chanting from 4 in the morning all day long, and then what I remember is the ravens. I hear the ravens are still in my head <laughs> meditating oh, yes. between the chanting, the other ravens, and then the monkeys that come around and pick on your hair, you know, and things like that. So <laughs> yes. it's, you feel like yes. Mowgli in the Jungle Book, you know. So. <laughs> well, I, I think you you have that spiritual experience there. I think I, I really had a profound experience, uh, spiritual experience there as, as a result of the, the the culture. And every Friday was spiritual day, and people would go for prayer. So, you know, I'm like, gosh, we don't do, <laughs> but you know, it, it it was a spiritual, profound spiritual experience for me. Well, maybe maybe the recipe or the prescription is uh, we should go to Malaysia or India once a year for three months, and then we'll all be better off. <laughs> and, and, you know, we're not discounting our own country, but I'm just saying sometimes when you can leave and have a different experience, especially when you're going through a certain shift or challenge and you have this wonderful new experience, it it stays within your heart, you know, and exactly. you just can't forget it. So. I really am honored and grateful I had that uh, spiritual blessing and divine gift and opportunity and being motivated to really uh, contribute on a a deeper level now through serving and and helping others through my writing and and these other activities. Mm. Well, Jean, I want to thank you for being on this show today and your stories are so inspiring and amazing, and I'm sure um, you will go back to Malaysia one day. And I might come with you. Just take me with you. So there you and have yes, it. Yes, and take me to <laughs> India. <laughs> but sister, uh, exactly. Let's share plan the gift, that right the gift now. <laughs> that, the gift that I was going to give, I was going to give five books away, The Long Journey Home, and individuals who would like to uh, contact me on, on my contact page of my website, you know, I would gift them with uh, five books of the long journey home, which is really my story about my transformational journey. Well, I will I will um, spell that out here in a minute as I close the show mm-hmm. for today. Jean, mm-hmm. thank you so much. 
and I hope that uh, I get to meet you in person soon. And either we have to fly where you are or perhaps you journey out to Oregon and see us here. That would be one, so wonderful. So I wish you a, a great day. Great and may day. God so may God send each of you a friend, a prayer, a song, and an answer to meet your needs. And may gratitude color your life. And Petra, thank you for being who you are and holding this space to share and inspire others and open their hearts to make a difference in their lives. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure uh, being here today. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, to get in touch with Jean, again, her website, and I will spell it for you, uh, www.jeanfarish.com, jeanfarishjourney.com. Again, thank you for being with us here today. Uh, If you want to get in touch with me or you would like to be on the show, please go to my website, uh, Petra Nicole, P-E-T-R-A-N-I-C-O-L-L. When you sign up for our mailing list, you will receive an MP3 download of the Golden Light Meditation, and also I offer 60 minutes of complimentary coaching for you. There will be two book signings in Oregon, one is on the 9th of September for Life Sparks at the um, Center for Spiritual Living in Eugene this Friday at 6.30. If you are in Eugene or you're nearby, please come join us. We would love to meet you. There will be authors that contributed to the Life Sparks book and Tammy Blodgett and Denise Baines who initiated this wonderful project. And on the 23rd of September in Portland, Oregon, on the waterfront at Thirst Bistro, you can find that on my Facebook page. So if you come and check out the Facebook page, it's facebook.com forward slash transformational story coach. And I'm signing off, wishing you a glorious day. Take care of yourselves. Stay in the mood of gratitude. And I hope to see you next Tuesday. Ciao. Yeah.